Hey, what's up? It's episode 37, Pain Points of Wealth. And earnings season is upon us. Companies are blowing the doors off earnings. Tech stocks have put mind-blowing numbers up there on the earnings front, yet the stocks are doing nothing. Meanwhile, commodity prices are going up. Real estate investment trusts are going up. Value stocks are going up. There's a lot going on in the market. How do you play it? Is tech finally dead? Do you get out of tech? Do you move your money around? Well, we're going to break it down for you today. And on our tipping point segment, we're going to talk about consolidation. Is your money everywhere? Is it a mess? Do you have a concerted plan with your finances? We're going to break it down for you. We're going to show you exactly what you should be doing to organize your money, get on track for financial independence. We got a great show. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey boys, we're in a massive booming economy right now. The V-shaped recovery that you two guys have been talking about now for over a year this actually happened. This could be the greatest recovery in the history of the country. Well, it's crazy. Like everything is some sort of record right now. You know, whether it's income, people have more income in their pocket, income's up 21% year over year. Companies right now, 87% of companies in the S&P have beat their estimates. That's the best ever. <laughs> so, the numbers just couldn't be better. And you're right, Bob. I think I called it and you guys have just been riding my coattails with all my great calls all year. It gets kind of annoying. Yeah, it's kind of humbling, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, well, you know what, Ryan? You know, you always said that your crystal ball was broken. I'm starting to think that it's starting to work again. I'll tell you, guys, it's not just the stock market. It's a housing market, too. And consumer spending's up. But you know what's also going on is consumers are saving, right? Consumer savings with 27% in March. That means, you know, all those stimulus checks are going into the checking and savings account. But you know what? I will never, ever underestimate the consumer. There's going to be a big spending boom this summer. You wait and see. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the things I'm going to spend money on. It's going to be wild. Oh, oh, oh. I don't forget somebody's birthdays in June before you you know, spend all that money and waste it somewhere. We're going to get Bob a Lamborghini this year. Finally, his dream car. It's not every day a young man turns 50. Yeah, that's the one I'm missing from my Matchbox collection. Well, I'll tell you the crazy thing right now is talking about earnings again, because the numbers are coming in just astronomical numbers. If you look at the big five, and of course, the big five is your Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Google and Apple, they literally increased their revenue over the last four quarters by $250 billion. Like the numbers are so crazy. But here's the crazier part the stocks aren't doing anything. It doesn't matter how good their earnings are, the stocks are literally actually going down right now as we're recording this. What's going on? You know, right. I think of that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, some of these companies like uh, Tesla, for example, have 140 years worth of earnings already built into the price of their stock. So it's not really surprising that when their earnings come out, that the stock price is not moving. Well, I think in a lot of cases, they're victims of their own success. I mean, the growth outlook has been phenomenal. Everybody knows that uh, they were going to have big earnings. Sometimes, you know, you buy the rumor and then you sell the news. But, you know, I don't think you should be out of tech. I think it's something that should be one of your core holdings. It's underperforming relative to value right now. But again, I don't think you should have all your eggs in one basket, guys. Well, I think it comes down to a bigger point, and that's markets are forward looking. It was not a secret that technology stocks were going to blow the doors off. When people are like, oh, Amazon's killing it right now. I don't have my money there. Well, guess what? 
everyone else already figured that out too. And the crazy thing about markets is if you look at it, that's the reason the big five in technology did so well last year is because the market was already projecting out that they were going to kill it. So once it actually happens, it's old news. And investors always forget that little nuance is the market's already way ahead of what's happening right now. Yeah, but you know what, guys? It's always easier to own something that's already up, right? So there's a lot of money invested in the momentum trade. How could it be so bad? Look at the 10-year trailing track record. Well, that's investing in a rearview mirror. You don't make money looking through the rearview mirror. Matter of fact, you tend to crash if you spend all your time looking at the rearview mirror and don't look through the windshield. I'll tell you what, guys. I've spent the last five years trying to convince my clients to keep their pipelines and their commodities in their portfolio, and their response is always the same. Get me out of these things. These things are horrible. And go figure this year... Our pipelines index is one of the best performers in the model portfolio. Well, it goes back to one of our tenets. You know, investing is a little bit ironic. And I have to suspect when Bob's looking in the rearview mirror, he's really just looking at his hair to make sure it's in place. I've seen him work on that hair in the mirror more than anybody on earth. But that's the funny thing is, right? The thing we do when it comes to investing, or the one mistake we make is we look at the last 10 years, we look at what did the best, and we tend to put our money there. But ironically, that's not the best move. It's whatever did the worst for the last 10 years is the best place to put your money because you're buying low. And right now we're seeing that because if you look at things like energy, and we've talked about energy, Chris, you just mentioned energy pipelines, right? No one likes old school energy stocks with all this electric vehicle talk. Fossil fuels are going by the wayside. But really, it's so cheap right now and fossil fuels aren't going away. That's the best time to buy what's out of favor. And now all of a sudden, it's starting to come back in favor. And that's good investing. Make sure you are rotating your money. You're moving it into the places that have been down. Buy low, sell high. Simple stuff, guys. Yeah, but here's the best. This time last year, we had a print on oil of a negative $37 a barrel. <laughs> negative $37 a barrel. Here we are at oil at $65 a barrel. I had some great conversations with some of my clients this week saying, Bob, how can oil go up when the government's trying to get rid of oil. That's the whole point. When you make something more scarce, it goes up in price. (laughs) It's not like they're going to have more oil. You're having less oil now. And as a result, usage is going up because we're in a big booming economy. God knows how high your oil is going to go. Bob, you just said the magic phrase there, prices are going up. And look, we talk about it every week on this podcast, where you're just so good. The only thing we can see here in plain sight is, is the fact that prices are going to continue to go higher. Like you saw Procter & Gamble, Caterpillar, Sherwin-Williams, which makes paint, talking about how their raw material costs are going up. And guess what? They're going to pass those costs on to you and me. And that's the theme of the future here. Inflation, inflation, inflation. And that's why you're starting to see commodity prices go up. That's why you're seeing a lot of these boring plain vanilla stocks really start to move right now, they benefit the most from inflation. Yeah. Just look at like the banks, for example, Bank of America or Wells Fargo, you know, they're the most sensitive to interest rates. And if rates go up by just one percentage point, 100 basis points, Bank of America would see a net interest income increase of about $10.5 billion. Well, guys, it's not just prices of products are going up. Everybody that I know who owns a business is booming right now and they can't find anybody to hire. So wages are going to go up. And there's also been a big movement to unionize again. So you've got you know unions becoming more popular. You have wages having to go up. You have a scarcity of labor. It all adds up to me is that everybody's underestimating how much inflation can go up from here. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to when it comes to markets, right? It's about what are the surprises in the positive? Because again, big tech blowing up their earnings, that's not a surprise. We're buying more stuff online. Duh. 
you know, we're advertising on Facebook. We know it's obvious. But to your point, Bob, the one thing that no one's really factoring in is how high inflation can go. And every week that we have an unexpected surprise with inflation going up, well, that affects positively the bottom line to a lot of these companies we're talking about, like Procter & Gamble, Caterpillar, Bank of America. Again, these boring old companies that no one wanted to own for the last decade. Well, you know, along with that, guys, I'm seeing a big drop in risk aversion. You know, you have a lot of people are now overweighted in their portfolio in growth stocks or overweighted in stocks in general. It was only a year or two ago where the economists and the talking heads on CNBC would say, oh, it's at 17 or 18 times earnings. The market's overvalued. Well, where are they now? <laughs> the market is a lot higher and you're not hearing a peep out of them. And a lot of you don't realize that bear markets, the bear sitting there, they're waiting to pounce. Make sure you have the proper allocation. Yeah, exactly, Dad. I actually talked to a couple of my clients this past week, clients that were really scared during the pandemic last year that wanted to be anywhere but in the market. And now they're talking to me about wanting to take additional risk in their portfolios. And I just remind them saying, hey, you know, remember a year ago when you didn't want to be in this situation, let's stick to our asset allocation. And that's really the key, Chris, because you know, not only do we have inflation coming up that's not really priced in, that uh, even our Federal Reserve chairman, who I said, should be playing, you know, don't worry, be happy every week he comes on his conference call. He says, you know, hey, there's nothing to see here, move on. But the other thing is the government's promising all of us to raise taxes. So last I checked, the two biggest risks to our portfolio are inflation and taxes. What do you say about that? Well, here's where everyone has it wrong, and we have it right, of course, is this fear of taxes. You hear about capital gains taxes are going to go up, and everyone's going to sell out of their portfolio now because gains rates are going to go higher. Well, if you look at it historically, when they raise capital gains rates and when they raise taxes, the market typically goes up. In fact, if you go back to 1968, the 10 times that they raised capital gains tax, nine out of those 10 times, the market still went up. So I think we're, there's a lot of fear around taxes. But the reality of it is the market actually does well when taxes go higher. I don't know the correlation, but I think it has to do with bigger economic factors that are driving things. And guys, we talk about every week, those big economic factors right now are going to make the economy run hot, make the stock market run hot. And I think those fear of taxes is probably a little bit unwarranted here. Well, I think the big thing, Rye, is Warren Buffett just summed it up the other day in his newsletter you know, to his shareholders. He says, right now, there's more people walking into the casino than are walking out. And when he talks about the casino, he's talking about the stock market. He says, hey, face it, most of you are bad at picking stocks. He put the top 20 stocks on the board from 30 years ago, and he asked his audience, how many of those companies are still in the top 20? Guess how many there were? Zero. Zero. Zero point zero. So if you're speculating in the stock market, that's a big mistake. If you're investing in the market, do like Warren Buffett advises his people to do. When he passes, he wants 90% of his money for his surviving spouse in index funds. Well, I can't think of a better strategy than that. All right, guys. So sum things up. Look, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to realize taxes are going up. Inflation's going up. Tech stocks aren't the place to be anymore. You've got to reposition. You've got to reallocate your portfolio. There's a lot of money to be made, but you've got to be smart about it. You've got to diversify. You've got to have an inflation-adjusted, tax-adjusted portfolio to win for the future. Hey, what's up? I hope you're enjoying our podcast today. If you really like our podcast, don't be shy. Subscribe. You can have it sent to your inbox every single week. Click on the like button. Put some comments in the comment section. Don't be shy. Let us know what you want us to talk about here on Pain Points of Wealth. And now it's time for the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, you know, with the 50 or so financial plans, our firm, Pain Capital Management, runs every single month 
One of the biggest issues we found is when you have your money scattered everywhere, which invariably a lot of us do, you end up having a very disjointed financial plan. So I thought we could discuss some of the reasons it's critical you streamline and consolidate your financial life really to get you to that road to success that you need to be on, be financially independent. You know, guys, that reminds me of when I barbecue with my buddies, right? I'm out there on a deck. I know what I want to do. When you got five chefs in the kitchen, five people want to show you how to barbecue, what you've been doing for 50 years, it comes out pretty bad, pretty disjointed, kind of the same way with financial planning. You can't have five voices. That's true. Bob Note doesn't like anyone near the grill when he's out there doing his master grilling, <laughs> kind of like our master financial plan. And you know, it's the same thing as like a diet too. It's like if you have five different diet plans, and some diet plans tell you, you need to eat meat, some diet plans tell you, you don't need to eat meat. So you get all these conflicting ideas about how you do it. And the same thing with your financial life, right? I mean, there's a lot of ways to cut a cake. It's just picking one that you stick to is way more effective than having lots of different advice or lots of different advisors. You know, Chris, I think what's wrong with having five different diet plans? That way you get to eat anything you want. Yeah, but the problem is invariably you start to become a little overweight and being overweight in your investment portfolio is never a good thing. I love some of these plans where, you know, no meat and other plans are all meat, right? So can't be right. Well, everything's disjointed. And this is why I love when we do our financial master plan, we put everything on a spreadsheet. And what you find is, because everyone's philosophy is like, oh, if I have lots of different accounts and lots of different advisors, I'm diversifying my risk. The irony of it is, typically all these different advisors or all these different accounts you have, they're all invested the same way. So you're trying to diversify. But what really ends up happening is you have everything concentrate in the same place, what we call the proverbial overlap, which is insane. I actually think you should have several advisors, right? I don't think that's true. I think you should have one accountant, one estate attorney, and one financial advisor, and they should all work together as a team. What about a golf coach? I don't Anything could help you with that, Dad. I'm not sure. Hey, guys, it's not just about having all this conflicting advice. How many times, I mean, really, how many times this year alone have we seen advisors have this bucket strategy where they take the client's portfolio and break it down into 12 different accounts with a bucket strategy for each account. And then two, three years later, nobody can remember what bucket that account's supposed to represent. And next thing you know, you got a collection of investments with no rhyme or reason to what we're invested in. Well, that's where it really pays to get that bird's eye view because what we'll find is, okay, well, you have cash in this account over here. Then your checking account, you have cash. And your 401k, you're sitting with cash. And then when you add it all up, all of a sudden, 40% of your portfolio is just sitting in cash earning nothing. And you have no idea because it's little increments in different accounts. But when you add it all up, you realize you don't really have an investment strategy at all. Well, that's the thing. There's no free lunch on Wall Street. And so when you spread all this around, no one works for free. And of course, if you think your advisor is working for free, you're paying more than anybody in the entire industry. That's the problem. They hide these charges. So the one thing that I despise, guys, more than anything is being overcharged. And if you're overcharging yourself, well, shame on you. Well, because it comes down to it's like, well, if I give this advisor, I don't know, 500000 I give this advisor another 200000 at all these different firms, you're getting treated like a small account. And let's say you have a couple million bucks. If you consolidate it, you're entitled to a discount on all the money together. But by spreading it out, you end up having high fees on all your accounts because you're treated like a little investor everywhere, which is so counterintuitive. Chris, you know this. I know you worked on an account recently where like, the client had millions of dollars and they were being overcharged so much that we figured we could drop their fees by like 2% a year. I think that was like $80,000 a year in fees they could drop and they didn't even know it. Exactly. And you know, by the way, that's $80,000 back in their pocket, which I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but that's instant return. Well, that's one of the risks of a big booming bull market. Because your account is up, you think, wow, 
my advisor must be brilliant. You know, Chris and I, you and I worked on a case where the one thing this investor said to us was, oh, my hedge fund manager's brilliant. Well, when we looked at the performance, it was about 17% a year. When we looked at the underlying index they were managing, it was 22% a year. So they underperformed by 5% a year. That's not brilliance. That's stupidity. Well, the beautiful thing is about Wall Street is they're just so good at hiding those fees, so good at hiding them. And that's like, you almost need like a black belt in investment analysis to find these fees. And that's the thing, like when we put it on a spreadsheet, it's nice because we'll go in and we'll look at all the internal costs and we'll add everything up and tally up all those hidden fees that you don't see. And when you see that hard number and forget percentages, when we start talking dollars, we start talking things like $80,000 a year, it's like, wow. And then you compound that out over 20 years, you're talking about like a couple million bucks that you literally lost out on that Wall Street's just literally pickpocketing you for. And they're doing it every year in small increments. It's crazy. And it's not just the hidden fees, guys. It's the unnecessary cost. You know, having a mutual fund where they trade the account and distribute capital gains, you got to pay tax on taking it out of your portfolio, less money to compound for an investment that historically has underperformed the underlying index at three or four times the cost. I mean, leave it to Wall Street to come up with an idea like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as important it is to be tax efficient, it's also really important to be aware of where your investments are and how they're invested. So when we look at a lot of these portfolios that come in, they've got money in all kinds of different places. And their response to that is, oh, well, my portfolio is really well diversified. But that's not the case. They just have a collection of investments. And nine times out of 10, they're investing the same exact things. You know, what's crazy too is you end up having like 20 different accounts. I literally did a proposal the other day. This woman had 11 different accounts and we can consolidate it down to three. And how much simpler is life to break things down into three accounts versus like literally having 11 accounts? It's so hard to manage that and make sure everything's working together. But when you have three accounts, it's easy to coordinate. It's easy to make it tax efficient. It's easy for the accountant at the end of the year. And it's kind of like that lean and mean diet, right? Simplicity over complexity. I think the one thing we've learned being in this business for a collective, what is it, 70, 80 years, I can't even remember now, is the simple less complex strategy is so much more effective than the more complex, more onerous strategies over lots of different accounts. The more complex your situation is, odds are it's going to be less successful. And of course, you're paying more fees. So what I'm hearing is that most investors end up with a collection of investments as opposed to a diversified portfolio because they don't know what they own and they don't know why they own it. But I'll tell you, here's the asset test. You look at your portfolio right now and you think, oh, I know why I own that. The person that sold it to me told me it was good. Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review at www paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right track to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content, we just doubled our listenership. We love having you on board. Don't be shy. Subscribe. Click the like button. Forward to a friend. Get the good word out there. We love doing it and we love making great content for you. So give us a love back. 
give us a like, subscribe to our channel. All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, the Census Bureau recently put out its first raw numbers and found that the US population grew at its slowest rate since the Great Depression. And that didn't include the death toll from the pandemic. Well, you know, I did my own census and I just checked and I have no grandchildren. So my family's a big part of this, guys. I mean, do you guys want to comment on that? The 40s are going to be big, Bob. I feel like we're going to see a lot more pains <laughs> coming out this decade. Stay tuned. The other thing it speaks to as well is most of the growing populations are outside the US. Hence, you want to have an international portfolio, not just a domestic portfolio. Chris, according to Warren Buffett, there were about 2,000 companies that entered the auto business in the 1900s because investors and entrepreneurs expected the industry to have an amazing future like electric vehicles today. In 2009, though, there were only three car makers left and two went bankrupt. Well, you know what, Rod? They always say that history doesn't repeat, but it often does rhyme. And this kind of sounds like what happened in the 90s with the dot-com bubble and now with the SPACs, the special acquisition corporations, where you've got all these companies going public, but chances are most of them won't survive. Yeah, it's a creative destruction. We don't know how it's going to turn out in the end. And that's why maybe things like electric vehicles are a little overvalued here. Just saying. Bob, the Oracle of Omaha also pointed out that none of the top 20 companies, as you said earlier, in the world in 1989 were on the global list today. In fact, more than 30 years ago, over half of the largest companies globally were Japanese firms, including banks and industrials. Wow, the world's changed. The world does change, right? It's changing again. You know, The one thing that's constant in our lives is change. And over the next 30 years, it's going to be completely different. It just speaks to why you need to be diversified and to live by the old adage, only the paranoid survive. Can't put all your money in Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Enough said. Chris, China has seen travel return with an incredible surge. Planes are full, trains are full, and meetings and events are happening again. Leisure demand could outstrip supply in some markets in the short to medium term. Sounds like inflation to me. Yeah, I have to agree with that, Rye. I think that's going to be happening here in the US pretty soon. As a matter of fact, I have a client of mine who is an ex-Delta Airlines mechanic, and he actually got called back from retirement to go out to the desert of Arizona to start putting planes back together and get them back online to meet the demand that they're going to be expecting over the next few months. Yep. And I just talked to one of my good friends, has his first four business meetings in California. He's already inoculated. It's starting to happen. Economy's starting to heat up. We're getting back to normal. All right, gentlemen. Of course, I use that term loosely. Another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music